and welcome to episode 220-something, I think 221, of the Hooniverse Podcast. Uh, this is a little late because I was supposed to record it last night, and then I got the bright idea of recording it in the morning, so I would be more bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and then when I went to do that, my gear took a dump. So I am recording this now later in the afternoon on the day I'm about to put it out from a hotel room in Palm Springs. <clears throat> so that's mildly interesting. Um, I'm out here in Palm Springs to drive the new Range Rover Velar. Velar. It sounds like something that, uh, I'm trying to think of the character's name from the Venture Brothers. The one who always calls him Quizbui. Um, it sounds like something, which if you haven't seen Venture Brothers, you're missing out. <clears throat> but it sounds like Velar is something that the character would say. And I can't think of his name right now, but he's one of the best characters. Uh, so that'll happen tomorrow. Uh, on-road, off-road, three different engines. Uh, two different types of suspension, so it'll be interesting. There's two four-cylinder engines, one gas, one diesel, and then a supercharged six. So we'll see how it all goes. <clears throat> so in the meantime, uh, back to my own cars, this was, to get out here, I took the Benz. So this was the longest road trip, or drive, well, not really a road trip. This is the longest trip I've done in the Mercedes. I wanted to see how it would do on the road, through some heat, up some inclines, and just see what it was like putting a bit more miles on it. I think it's about almost 70 miles from my house to this hotel, which isn't crazy, but, you know, in an older car, you have to think about things. So, and then it'll be another 70 back. And then next week, I want to drive it to Central Coast with my wife for a trip. So I wanted to make sure it would do all right on a two-hour drive before embarking on a four-hour drive. And that'll be an easier drive, even though it's longer. This one is more aggressive in terms of the heat. And the, it's not a lot of incline, but there's a section where you're, you're climbing for a little bit. Uh, and then it's downhill, and it's great. And it was, it was great. The car was great. Uh, temperature gauge rose a little bit during parts of the drive, but never above the upper end of the middle segments of the gauge. If you can find a W114 gauge, the lower middle says 175. There's a tick above that that doesn't say anything. And then at the very top of the gauge, it says 250 or 225, probably 225. It might say 250, though. It might, um, and I never rose above that unnumbered tick above 175. So it, I would guess that's 200, maybe 225. So the, the car, I believe, was running under 200 degrees the whole time which is excellent. That's all you can ask for. It would have been nice to have air conditioning, and then it would have been really interesting to see what that did to the engine, the drag on the engine for the drive. But otherwise, the car was cruising. I was cruising at around 70, somewhere between 75 and 80 on the flatter open stretches of highway. And then up the hill, I was probably doing about 60. Uh, but the handling was tight enough. The, the center is pretty dead, but once you get to a certain point, it's nice and uh, stiff, and it was good, and it felt great. So coming down the backside of the hill, I was just kept to the right lane, but was still passing people who drive like shit in the left lane, and it was comfortable. The seat bottoms are good. I definitely have to get the seat backs fixed next, and then the headrests, because right now the headrests are useless. I might even take them out of the car, because there's occasionally spilling old dried horse hair under the ground and it's just annoying. So I think I'm just going to take them out until I figure out how I'm going to get them restuffed. Um, I might try to find an old pair of Mercedes headrests in good shape and then just swap the the covers to the to the good ones. We'll see. I'm still figure, figuring that out. 
then also today I've been I've been researching touch-up paint. I'm really curious what I can do to improve the paint on my car because after getting the wax job done at Meguiar's, it's it's transformed it. It's such a deeper, richer color, and it makes me want to go back and fix other spots I can fix. And there are little nicks and rock chips, and then there are some scratches, and I'm really curious how much of this I can fix with some stuff. And I was, I was looking a lot at the Dr. Color Chip stuff, so I might go that route. They had my, my paint, when I put my paint code in the search, it came right up. Uh, I'm, it's Mercedes 920, which is, uh, what the hell is it called? I have the, it's T, T, TF Blau, but it like, just like dark blue or something like that. It's 920 though, is the paint code. And it was, uh, I, I'm really curious how it's, it's going to come out. But judging by these videos, the Dr. Color Chip system seems like it's really easy to do and really easy to get good results. I will probably just need a gallon of it for certain parts of my car. So I might I might gamble a little bit. And then worse comes to worse, if it doesn't work, at some point the paint would need to be addressed anyway. I mean, it doesn't really need to. But if I want to get more money for the car down the road, I maybe should take a look at what I can do to the paint. Then i got to start doing some stuff on the inside. There's things on the inside I want to, I want to get done. Um, my driver's side... Rear window doesn't go down, so i got to figure out why that doesn't work. There's some water dripped onto the upper portion of the door on the driver's side, so it's water-stained. So I want to – I might email Larry at Ammo and see what is a good way to clean that up a little bit. I want to do all the seals on the doors and the windows. I want to get those done. And then the front of the headliner – is in good shape. The headliner itself is in excellent shape, but where the headliner meets the back of the car isn't tucked in nicely, so I want to figure that out. I'd like to get a new glove box door because it's kind of loose and it doesn't shut because it locks, but if you leave it unlocked, it um, it'll, it will open on its own, so I need to fix that. <clears throat> and then after that, I want to um, look at either rehabbing my Speedo cable or figuring something else out, getting the, basically getting the whole instrument cluster out, swapping in new lights, probably like small LED bulbs to get them nice and bright, and then figuring out, I want to get the odometer to start turning again. I have no idea when it stopped turning. It says 82,102 miles. I don't know if it's turned over. I would assume it has, but the underside of the car is very clean. So, I mean, who knows? I'm not going to assume it's an 80,000-mile car because that'd be crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, you never know, but if, if, if it's 182 though, for an old, a 43 year old Benz, that would be even great right there as well. <clears throat> and I would just like to just like to get that turning again. So we'll see what that'll take. Um, but yeah, I gotta get the instrument cluster out to do that. It's really easy to pull out an old Benz cluster. You just get a picker tool in there and it slides out. Then you just got to disconnect the oil pressure gauge, um, the speedo cable and maybe one or two other things. Uh, it's, it's really easy to get it out. So that's fun. So yeah, the car drove great out here. I think I convinced my, can convince my wife to take it to Central Coast next week. The only thing is it doesn't have the air conditioning, like I said. So, I mean, that's, that's not her being lame about not taking the old car. It's just like not having AC in a car sucks sometimes and it's been hot, <clears throat> but this was my test to drive it out here to Palm Springs where it is definitely hot. Drove through or drove by some of the areas that had recently been on fire. You kind of go around the areas that are currently on fire. It's crazy how fucked California is right now. 
the closest the canyon fire got to me is probably 15 miles so not that close it would have to cross like two other highways and and a few other towns like it would take a lot to get there but i mean the, the stuff going in napa and sonoma is wild so who knows it's just awful what's going on up there and and here too canyon fire 2 is also pretty shitty as well but santa rosa is just destroyed whole wineries are gone i don't know how i veered off into a fire conversation <clears throat> but i did now just before driving down here i spent the week with the volvo c sorry the volvo v90 cc i didn't want the cc but i've been dying to drive the volvo v90 so i i just you know you take what you can get um it's awesome i love it it drives wonderfully it 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 could use a little help in the brake pad department, though that could be because I had a 9,000-mile example, which doesn't sound like much, but on a press car, that is a colossal amount of mileage. So I don't know if it was just worn-down pads or if it's such a big car that it, it needs a little bit of help there. And it does feel like a big car. I was not expecting it to feel as big as it does. However, the 316-horsepower T6 powertrain that I drove was awesome. The seats are excellent. The interior is great. On the outside, it looks fantastic. It would look so much better in non-CC guys in that blue paint without the shit over the the, the wheel arches. Uh, and I don't have anything against a cross country. I like wagons that are a little butched up like that. But this one, it, the V90 looks better, a little bit more streetcar chic than fake off-roader. It was fantastic. Really, really, really liked it. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, it, it gets expensive quick. But, you know, you don't have a lot of options these days when it comes to wagons, especially full-size wagons. Um, but it was, I didn't see one other, I didn't see one other V90 on the road. So, I mean, it's a special, it's a special car, I think. So hopefully someone listening to this buys one. Uh, now, since this is a solo episode, I wasn't intending to do a solo episode this week, but my schedule has been awful my wife's work schedule has been awful too, so I haven't been able to, to head out on Mondays and Tuesday nights like I normally would to go record with Chris. Chris was going to try to do a podcast with a guest, but that fell through, so we get another solo episode this week. So I, I hope you don't hate the solo episodes. Um, I mean, it's still a podcast. It's still a guy talking in your ear, tickling your ear, going la 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 And so I hope you don't hate it. So, But because it is a solo one, you know they're a little shorter generally. So I'm going to, before we get too much farther, I'm going to start pulling up the stuff so I can dive into the questions. Because the questions, besides the news, when it's a you know more formal podcast, the questions have definitely become kind of a backbone of the at least the latter half of the podcast. Now, before I get to the questions, I have to bring up our friends at Driveline. Driveline is an app for the, it's in the IO, IO it's for the iPhone. It's for the iPhone. Get it in the, in the iOS store and put it on your phone. It's a social app designed for people to share their love of great driving roads. You get the app. You record some of your roads. You can put information about your car in there. You can record video of your drives right through your phone, upload them up. And then as this community grows, and it is growing thanks to you guys, <clears throat> there'll be prizes involved. There'll be more social interaction. There'll be ability to talk to you know about all the cars and all the roads and all the great stuff out there and it's all happening through this driveline app and this podcast is happening in part in thanks to the folks at driveline for helping to support us for a few episodes so we really appreciate what they're doing for us 
what they're doing for the automotive enthusiast community by making this app. And then we appreciate you guys going to check it out. Even if, like, let's say you don't like it, and I don't know why you wouldn't like it, but at least give it a shot. Like, go take a look. And I've gotten some feedback on Twitter from people who do like it. So it, 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 it's working well, and if it's something that you think you would like to try, do it. Go find Driveline. Boom. All right, let's move on to the questions. So we're going to do Patreon questions first. Oops, that is the wrong Patreon post. Let me back out of that. That was me letting everybody on Patreon know that this podcast has been delayed. Um, all right, questions. Okay, Dan Mosqueda, first question. See, right off the bat, shout out to Driveline. I love the app, so that's good. His question, did you see the West Coast Customs 356 on Jay Leno's garage? I was stunned at how beautifully it was done. I was shocked when I saw that was a West Coast Customs car because um, it was more restrained than I would expect from them. I actually really liked the idea of that build. I would have to see it in person to see the execution. I didn't like that they used a modern interior, but they just took it straight from the Cayman or the Boxster or whatever they used. I think they used it. Didn't they start with a it makes sense to start with a boxer if it's a convertible. Yeah, I'm, I'm crazy. Um, so I like the idea of it. It took probably a lot, of, a lot of custom work to make it work, but there's something about the proportions that look just a little bit off. Like I said, I'd really like to see it in person, but I was, I was impressed overall with the build. The idea of it I find intriguing, for sure. Marshall Cash. Why are crossovers hated by enthusiasts while safari cars are hot? Both the cars with suspension lifts. One is just done by the manufacturer and the other by the aftermarket. Well, the, the crossover doesn't really have a suspension lift. It just has a bigger, it has a little bit of a lift, but it's more that it has a, a taller body. Um, so it's, it's, it's like a compromised wagon. A crossover is a compromised wagon in my eyes. Well, a safari car is taking a car that, was never designed to do what it does and then taking it to new places. And I find that very intriguing. So I get the question. I do get your point here. But a crossover is just catering to what the American public thinks it wants because that's what automakers are selling them, whereas a wagon has a lower load floor. So it's easier to get stuff in and out of. It's easier to get stuff into. Uh, it, it's The crossovers, though, I've heard that older people – it's easier for them to get in and out of those, so there's a plus for those because it's less of a step up, step down, or sit up, sit down, rather. You just kind of slide in and out of the seat. So there's that side of it. The safari car, though, it, it's very different. It's taking a car that should never have been there and bringing it to a new place. Now, I think maybe if they if they safaried up crossovers, that could be cool. We've actually talked about this, and I like the idea of it, you know, like some GRC-based in terms of theme, like if Volkswagen did a Tiguan that was GRC'd out, would be super rad. Kevin Schrage, Mazda is teasing some concepts for the Tokyo Motor Show. Speculate widely about what they mean for the brand. I haven't seen the concepts, but I keep hearing RX-9 tossed around. I keep hearing Rotary tossed around. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, Jacob, I know you're listening. Uh, you showed me the the... The gas cap setup for the CX-5 was clearly ready to accept diesel. Still not here. So I, with any Mazda engine stuff, I will believe it when I see it. However, it seems like Skyactiv-X Sky is on the express train to the marketplace, which is pretty amazing. 
Uh, and Kevin's next question was about Skyactiv Diesel. So there you go. We'll wait and see. It's supposed to be coming, but we'll see. Uh, but Skyactiv X, it seems like it's right around the corner, which is fantastic. Um, all right. Twitter questions. Scrolling down. There are only a few of these. I'm just going to find them because they were a day ago. Um, let's see. Okay. Brandon Maxwell at BMAX3242, if you could have any of your past cars back, which one and why? It would be between my tr – I haven't had that many cars. I really haven't owned that many cars. So it would be between my truck, the Hoon truck, and my second car ever, which was my 1985 Nissan 300ZX. I would love to take that car, which was an East Coast car, and bring it to the West Coast so we could live a California life with the T-tops off and rehab any rust it might have had underneath it. I didn't know shit about cars back then, though, so I don't know what the underside of that car even looked like. Uh, but it'd be, it would be between that car and my truck, and I've always said how much I miss that Z, but uh, I don't know. I put way more blood, sweat, and tears into the truck, so I'd probably go to the truck. Not that I'm in a place where I'm, like, crying over the truck or anything. I miss it a little bit, but not, not as much as you might think. John at real underscore Scython. Are you going to the U.S. Grand Prix? No. Uh, I would I would like to, but, I mean, only if someone's paying me to go just because it's, it's expensive. Chris Tracy at Overlanding Dad. Thoughts on Toyota's new TJ concept. What truck-van combo would be perfect for you? Uh, I like the idea of it. It seems more fun than, uh, you know, let's get – the FJ Cruiser is gone, so it's fine. The TJ seems like much more interesting than rehashing – pseudo retroness um which is funny because i love the challenger but i the of a truck van combo is very interesting any of the current ones that exist i really like the 5.6 liter equipped nissan nvs when those are unladen with that v8 they haul ass so those are pretty good all of the all of the vans right now are really good i want i would love to have a uh, sprinter 4x4 i wish we could get the smaller sprinters um, I know we can get the Metris, but I'm talking about full-on smaller Sprinter because someone in my neighborhood has one. And it, it at one point had check plates on it, and I think those check plates are finally gone. Um, but it is a smaller, I forget the model, but it's it's definitely a smaller Sprinter, and it looks awesome. Um, let's see. I don't know if there were even any more Twitter questions. It was kind of quiet on Twitter. Oh, Austin Madison at Austin Madison. To me, people who stance old BMWs have a special place in hell. What niches in car culture can't you stand? I'm wide open on car culture, but I really just, I, I don't care which brand it is. I don't really care for stance, and maybe that makes me feel like an old man. But I, I like donks. I love low riders. I love mud boggers. Um, bro, bro dozers, just to bro doze and roll coal, I just, that, that seems absolutely asinine to me um so i would say those and ultras like if you have a little bit of camber i'm not going to hate on you but when you have full-on stretch poke ruined ride it just does nothing you've ruined your car it, um a low rider isn't ruined it's been transformed into something amazing a donk is is <laughs> is still very functional uh even in floods um uh, but the stance i just do not get it at all um so let's see matt carhart at long dx commuter from current offerings from all manufacturers pick your ideal lineup b segment on up that is a very see i need that's the type of question that is a good question 
but I need way more prep for it um, because I would just sit here spinning my wheels. Uh, right now, I can't talk, I can't say enough good things about Audi. That I've all the Audi products I've been driving have been fantastic. I cannot wait to drive that new A8. Um, uh, yeah, so that I'll, uh, Audi. There you go. <laughs> that's a horrible answer because it wouldn't just be Audi, but that's what I got to say. It has another question. Thoughts on the Bollinger Electric 4x4? Really interesting. I've been hearing about this thing for a while, and I had no interest in it. And then when they finally showed it, it really piqued my interest, especially with the because of the low battery pack floor. You have the full load capacity. You know, you can load big 2x4s in there. It's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. And I'm now finally paying attention to it. Not that much because it's still a, a small electric SUV, but I am paying attention a little bit. Um, let's see. Oh, let's jump to Facebook. All right. Picking up the Facebook stuff. Um, I'm sitting here in this hotel in Palm Springs trying to knock this out on the day it's supposed to go out. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, please don't feel bad for me. Not that you are, because this hotel is incredible. All right, podcast. Here we go. Podcast, Facebook post. First question. Chris Cavalieri, besides a car, is there a boat, plane, truck, Rube Goldberg machine that you've always wanted to drive, operate, and pilot? Had the opportunity to run a full-size Caterpillar excavator in Vegas last year as a surprise birthday present at Dig This, and it was some of the most fun I've had with my pants on. Hopefully, Zach is back for this one. Zach is not back for this one. No one is back for this one. Um, it's funny you mention that because tried, I've tried pitching a show where I go around the country driving non-cars. Like anything that isn't a car, I want to drive and tell you about it and then meet the people who operate it and get a little bit of life story. So airboats, tanks, diggers, freight trains, um, earth movers, semi – well, semi-truck. I'm counting that as like not a, a – passenger car uh and there could be a wave where like, i show up driving a different car so you can incorporate that car into the show a little bit and then the fascinating part would be talking to the people behind the car as well but no one wants to put me on tv or pay for me to do anything so it's never gonna happen but i still still think it'd be a fun show uh i would love to dr fly any plane especially that icon is it the a5 i'd love to fly that uh i love boats i'm a big boat fan I would really I want to drive Aston Martin's boat, um, and then I would like to drive like an old wooden Chris Craft to see what that's like as well. Uh, in terms of trucks, I would love to drive a monster truck, and then Rube Goldberg. I just I'll just watch the OK video, Go videos and see. Let them do it. Eric Anstouter, do people believe that the Earth is flat? Also believe that other planets are flat too? Wait, are these supposed to be car related? Flat Earthers, if you're listening to this and you're a flat Earther, I'm not going to hold back. You are a fucking moron. Um, tell them how you really feel. Tommy Loretto, is the 911 becoming more like the Mustang? The Mustang has so many different packages and trim levels GT, Bullet, Shelby, Mach 1, Boss, etc. And the 911 is nearing the same. It seems comical at this point that they are going down the same path. I mean, I might argue that the nine, Mustang is becoming more like the 911, if anything. Um, and it doesn't feel like right this second the Mustang has that many, I guess if you count all the different engines. But the 911, I feel like, has had has been that way for a while. Um, yeah, I, think, I, I don't think one is becoming the other. I feel like they're just doing their what feels like normal stuff to them. But I agree there's a lot of each. 
Wood Heron, this Hyundai Assurance deal seems very interesting. Do you think this will convince more brands to make buying a car less of a pain in the ass? I guarantee you every automaker is having meetings in some division on how to do this. And now that Hyundai is stepping up with their own version of it, other automakers are certainly going to take notice. Uh, and I think it'd be more of the lower tier brands because the higher up tier brands, I, I don't think it's as much of a pain in the ass if you're going in to buy a new S-Class. You're going to get, they're going to kiss your ass the whole way. You know what the car costs. You're not really as concerned about haggling either for the most part. Some people still will be. But yeah, when you go in to buy a Hyundai or a Ford Fusion or a Mazda 6 or you know any of those cars, if they can make that process easier, they're going to find a way to do it. Um, and then if and hopefully the dealers go along with it, they'd be insane not to because it's never the automakers who look like shit because of bad dealership experiences in general. Maybe specific dealerships do, or sp maybe uh, not. That, that's not what I was saying. The, the the you never think of the automaker when you have the shitty experience for the car you bought. It's that dealership. It's the dealers. It's the salespeople. So dealers should be very focused on seeing what this is and and going back and working with the automakers to help them do this. Julian Schur, 100 horsepower NA Miata versus a Hot Wheels-sized Veyron. Who wins quarter mile? Um, I need to know more about the Veyron because is it does it have the same power plant? Hot Wheels size. I mean, how does that work? I don't – I'd be curious. What's the Hot Wheels? 164th scale? Is that right? 146, 164th. Um, so you just got to cut its times down by that much, I would imagine. So I think the 100 horsepower Miata is going to win because that's, say, 1,200 horsepower divided. I can't do it. You're asking me to do math, but I'm going to try to do math right in Google's browser because they're good at that. 1,200 divided by 64. Um, it's not doing the math for me. Oh, 18. Yeah, the uh, Miata wins. Chris Ivey, this is that'd be a good like Mythbusters question, but they'd probably be like, no, this is too ridiculous. But we will answer that on the Hooniverse. Chris Ivey, I have a nineteen ninety four runner that needs a motor. Just asking the Hoon community for advice. The go to is the three point four from the next generation forerunner. Looks like it may be a wombat time frame. Oof, ouch. Um, yeah, I mean if you can get the next gen motor and get it in there for a good price, that'd be a nice way to update and refresh it. Um David, oh, someone's sending me a message, and I'm not trying to see that right now because um, I have Facebook open. David Bodenstein, what color are your MeUndies? I don't have MeUndies. Um, if you're curious, I think I have Penguin underwear on, the brand, not like a, the animal, um, and they're black. Guys, wear black underwear for reasons. Uh, this would be a great regular car reviews question because he'd get into it more. Great, I'm going to stop there. Greg Scantlebury, if you have the time and means, what kit car would you build? I just discovered, uh, what, is they, what are they called? Uh, RCR, not regular car, but race car replicas. Their kit cars look amazing, and they make 917s and uh, 962s and D-types, and they make all kinds of these amazing, oh, the Ferrari 330. Um, so I would probably look at a, a, one of those, or I would do a Myers-Manx type Super California buggy deal. Greg Scantlebury, what is the weirdest transmission you have ever used? I had never driven anything too weird, so I would probably go with an on-the-tree, or yeah, on-the-tree gearbox. I drove a 54 
Ford, um, what the hell was it called? Like a, I don't, it was some kind of panel van. Not a panel van because it had the windows, but uh, like the wagony van from that era with a with a Y block. It either had a Y block or a flathead. I think it had a Y block, and it was three on the tree. And this was when I was still shooting American Detours, um, and they never aired season two, so you will never see me drive that car. So on the tree, and I, then our our first Ranchero Lemons car had it on the tree, which is awful, awful, awful on a racetrack. Gavin Pouquet is a wrap a sandwich. I think, huh, I don't know because it completely encircles, because I don't consider a burrito a sandwich, and a wrap is like a shitty burrito, depending on the wrap. Uh, so I'm going to go no, but I but a taco could be a sandwich, and a hot dog could be a sandwich. But the wrap, because it goes all the way around, I'm saying no, based on the burrito theorem of sandwich justification. Oh, look, the person who questioned says a wrap is a burrito that its insides are raw. So I'm saying no to the wrap is a sandwich. The wrap is a shitty burrito. Um, so there you go. All right, so like I said, sitting here in Palm Springs, sorry to rush this solo episode out. I had to get something out. I thought I was going to be able to have a nice long sit-down one at home before I packed for this trip and hopped in the Mercedes, but it wasn't to be. Uh, so I hope this... Say, tied you over we do i know for a fact we're doing an in-studio one next week so we'll be good to go there i'm sure you're tired of hearing tired of hearing just by voice um i will let you know all about the velar next week i don't think there's an embargo on this drive so the i mean the video might even be out by the end of this week depending on how lazy i'm feeling because we have in-laws coming to town um so actually no because i don't get back till friday so this video probably wouldn't be out till monday as long as there's no embargo, which there can't be, because I think people already drove this this truck in Iceland. So, um, I'm, I'm lining up the Vanquish S for review, which is an important Aston Martin, because that's the last go, hurrah, for the naturally aspirated 5.9 liter V12 engine. So that's an important car for Aston Martin. They're saying goodbye to that engine with this car. Um, there's some other interesting Aston Martin news that I can't tell you about. But I, I know some good stuff right now. Um, and then, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, a couple more videos coming on the bends. I just have to shoot them. I haven't had time. Uh, I'm looking into touch-up paint. I think I'm going to go with Dr. Color Chip. I want to talk about all the fixes that Leistung Auto House did for the car. And then I want to do a video on aiming my headlights because I think I'm unintentionally an asshole on the road. Right? No one's flashing their headlights at me, but I feel like they're high. Uh, so I'm going to do that. That's a quick video, but I've never tried to do it. I just, it seems like it's really easy. Um, so we'll see. And then, uh, that, I think that's it for now. Um, so go to, go, don't forget to go to download the driveline app on iTunes store, uh, the, uh, the app store, and then go to follow me on Instagram at Hooniverse Jeff. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Glucker. Also follow at, uh, the Hooniverse at the real Hooniverse on Instagram. Go to our YouTube channel and like that. Uh, like, leave the, leave, I can't speak right now. I can't think at all because I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say for the Valar video tomorrow. Um, but go to iTunes, rate, and review this podcast. Go to Hooniverse.com. Go read something. Go to the website and read something. That's, that's where we started. And 
there's good photography there on occasion. Overlanding Dad has been writing some great stories about road tripping his Land Cruiser and getting his kids away from their devices. There's some there's some good stories happening on there. Um, so go there and then keep listening to this, and we will see you. I will see you next week with back in the studio. Bang.